guys having a good day? I don't know what kind of week you've had. I hope it's been a good week. I know, I believe that this is going to be a good day of church. I believe that with all of my heart, you're going to be glad that you took an hour to come here today. And I hope that you're expecting, I hope you had faith walking through that door right there. Because I know for a fact, the posture that you walk into this space with, into any church with, dictates so much of the experience that you have while you're here. And if you want God, you'll get God while you're here. If you, if you have faith, he moves, man. He just does. That's the kind of God we have. He loves, he loves faith. In fact, heaven will touch earth in your life through the delivery system of your faith. Amen. Faith. That's, that's actually like the theme of this series, Elements, that we are in right now. We are using, we're using Old Testament stories and elements of creation to describe the elements of faith. And so if faith is like this delicious bowl of soup with a secret recipe, it's like, I, I want to know the ingredients. What are the ingredients? What are the elements of faith? Last week, Ethan, using the story of Jonah and the element of water, talked about the first element of faith, which is obedience. It was an awesome message. It's on YouTube if you want to go watch it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one more thing about it just because I can preach I mean, for days about obedience, nobody wants to hear that, I get it, but I'm going to say something just for three minutes, because obedience is kind of like this uh, modern-day Christian cuss word. Have you noticed this? Obedience along with, with uh, repentance. I feel like those are the two words that we say them, and they kind of put like uh, a bad taste of religion and church baggage in your mouth when you say them. And here's the thing, that does not mean that the words need to go away. That means the words need to be redeemed, amen, redeemed, because your soul actually wants obedience more than you think it does, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push a little bit three minutes into the message, um, but I would, I would wager a bet, man, because you're a human being and we're in this together, I'm in the same boat as you, that there is probably, man, like habitual sin pattern maybe in your life that you are, you are, um, using cheap grace to do it, and you're calling it freedom and kind of rolling your eyes at obedience, okay? And I'm just going gonna, gonna to submit, what if your soul actually is desperate for you to tell it no? What if your soul loves when you say no to it? Because here's what Ethan said last week, obedience is the ultimate freedom, Obedience is the ultimate freedom because it's not turning away from the good stuff so you can begrudgingly submit to God. Obedience is turning towards the good stuff and realigning your life with the abundance that he has in store for it. He is not your cosmic joy killer up in the clouds. He is the source of all that is good and the human being that will experience the most of his goodness in their lifetime is not the, the, the one who rebels against him, but rather the, the human being who wants what he wants, even when that means you don't get your way. Because it, it, like, it wasn't that long ago that the rebels were the, the disobedient and the immoral. But let me, let me ask you this question. What happens when the norm of culture becomes disobedience and immorality? Right? Then suddenly the rebels are the moral and the obedient. Does that make sense? Like in immorality, morality is what stands out. And our calling as Christians is to stand out, not just by what we believe, but by what we do and what we do not 
do. That's obedience, and in our day, that takes a rebel. And so let's, let's build on last week here. Let's build on last week, because if obedience is, okay, this is obedience. I'm, gonna, I'm, tr- I'm following Jesus, and I'm doing my best. I re- like to, to, to actually follow Jesus. I don't just believe this. I'm doing it. Obedience. And then I'm going to let God do the rest. And what do you call that? That is called trust. I'm following Jesus, and I'm trusting God with the outcome. Catch this regardless of the outcome. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and find Daniel chapter 3. We'll get to it in a second. Um, Some of you already know where we're going with this. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I want to show you, pun intended, I wore my my fire t-shirt, man. I, I went to my closet. There was a red one and a green one, and I was like, well, clearly red this week, green next week, man. It works out. Holy Spirit thing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to get there. I want to show you the second element of faith using the second element of creation today, which is fire. And so while you're going to Daniel 3, I'm going to just put one verse up on the screen. It's John 16, 33. A lot of you might have heard this. I have told you these things. This is Jesus talking so that in me you may have peace, the peace that that transcends understanding, the peace that survives the worst day, week, or year. In this world, he says this, you will have trouble. So Jesus just kind of lets the cat out of the bag. He's saying, hey, every Christian in this lifetime, you will face the fires of life. And I wish, I wish like that wasn't the case, but you cannot get away from this concept in the Bible. Constantly, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus is inviting and calling his followers forward into, into storms, into to challenges, into the unknown, into the fires of life. And so you will, you, like, you will face the fires of life. You, like, like following Jesus doesn't mean everything gets easier and everything gets better. Following Jesus means you get Jesus. And the next time you're in a, a fire... You're not by yourself because Jesus is in the fire with you. And, like, uh, this isn't that fun for me to preach. There's some preachers, pastors out there who I feel like get, like, this weird satisfaction from shouting the tough stuff and the hard stuff, right? I'll never be that guy. I I pray I'll never be that guy. You will always walk out of this place challenged and encouraged, built up and not beaten up. Having said that, I love you way too much not to tell you the truth. As a Christian, your faith will be tested. It will. Christianity is not clean and tidy. Christianity is gritty in every sense of the word. Even right here, right now, we are worshiping Jesus in Austin, Texas, 2,000 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which means Christianity has spread through geography and has carried through generations, not on the blessings of human beings, but on the blood of human beings, and that is just history. It was Tertullian who said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and even your Bible, for that to sit on your lap, how much blood has been paid to get that to you so that you can have that. Our legacy, our history, you guys, is fireproof Christians, and our future requires the same thing. And the secret to that is our second element, 
and it's also the title of this message, Trust in the Fire. Trust in the Fire, which brings us to Daniel chapter 3. Um, I'm just going to paint the picture for you really quick because what we have are three young men, three friends whose faith is, is tested in literal fire. Okay, so this is um, 600 years before Jesus, and King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon, the most powerful man in the world. He is, I'm, I'm try, I like, was trying to think of words I could say to describe him that I'm allowed to say in church. He is um, a brilliant, powerful narcissist, all right? So a lethal combination, and he plunders Jerusalem and destroys the temple and then takes a bunch of people captive, four of which are Daniel and his three friends, and they get recruited to work in the Babylonian palace, and then Nebuchadnezzar's entire plan. What he's best at is indoctrinating people into the Babylonian culture, all right? And so he starts by changing their names and a bunch of other things about their lives, and then what he does is he, he, he builds a 90-foot-tall statue, all right, eight stories tall. That's how tall the statue is. And this is his loyalty test, okay? Because, because these four guys, they are, they are leaders in a country that is not their country, okay? They're Jews in Babylon. And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar is basically saying, okay, here's this statue. Every time you hear the band play music, you stop whatever it is you're doing. You forget whatever belief system that you belong to or that you have. You forget whoever the God is that you worship and you fall to your knees and you bow down to this statue. And by the way, if you don't, we'll cook you in a furnace. So just do it. And what we have here are three young men exercising the first two elements of their faith. They obey and then they trust because when everybody else around them bows down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse. And we pick it up in verse 13 of Daniel chapter 3. Here we go. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You have to say their names so many times when you read this. That you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I've set up? Like, is this real? I'm going to give you one more chance. Now, when you hear the sound, when you hear the music, the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, any kind of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, then we're good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace, not a figurative one. Then what God, and notice it's lowercase g there. What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? So I have four points. Four points. I usually, I was telling Aaron before the services, I usually just have no points and I just talk and horrible to take notes off of. But if you're a note taker, today is your day, man. Four notes. You get your pen ready. You get your color-coded highlighters out, okay? And you get ready because here we go. Four points on trusting, trusting God in the fire. And the first is this. Obedience is on me. The outcome is on God. For some of you, you're going through it right now, and that, that right there is all you need. Obedience is on me. The outcome, however, like sleep soundly tonight knowing the outcome is not on you. The outcome is on God. I obey where I can, where I can obey, 
I control what I can control. And then I, I be still and I let God be God and take care of my outcome. And likely, none of us will ever be faced with, a, with an actual fiery furnace. But we will have moments, plural, where we make the decision between obeying or backing down and bowing down. Okay? Let the truth have its day and face the heat or back down and bow down. Albus Dumbledore would say it this way. There is coming a day when you'll have to choose between what is right and what is easy. So I'm talking about the moments where your faith goes from being something that you have to something that you actually use. Does that make sense? So a few years ago, I went, I, I went skydiving, and um, it was awesome. It was amazing. And I, I didn't, not by myself, you go with like a tandem guy, they take you so you don't die. And uh, my tandem guy, uh, the, the nice way to say this, encouragement is not his spiritual gift, okay? So we're in, because we're, we're exhibit A, we're in a plane, and the door to the plane is open, 10,000 feet in the sky, and I'm sitting there with my feet dangling over the edge, looking down at the ground, staring at my feet, and I, like this, I'm, I'm attached to this guy with like four carabiners, you know? And I, I turn around and I say, like, fear makes you ask the most ridiculous things. Like, hey, bro, does this thing have a backup parachute on it? Like, oh, now, like, now's the time to be responsible because that's why you paid $200 to jump out of a plane is because you're responsible. And he said, he said, uh, yeah, man, it should. And, uh, yeah, and I said, I, I said, uh, does it work? And he paused. Like, why he paused in this moment, I'm like, bro, come on. He paused, and after a lengthy pause, he says, once again, it should, man. In other words, I've got one. I know it's back there. I've never had to use it. I'm pretty sure it works. I hope I never have to find out, right? And how many of us, if we're honest, we would say that about our faith? I've got one. I'm pretty sure it works. I hope I never have to use it and find out. I hope life never gets to the place where I actually have to use my faith. You have a faith. Do you use your faith? Will your faith this week determine what you do and what you don't do? What you say and what you do not say? Will your faith influence how you talk about that person who's not in the room this week? Will your faith determine how you steward your, your, um, your treasures, your time, and your talents? Do you, do you just have a faith or do you actually use your faith? What we're looking at here is a story of three guys who use their faith here in an incredible way. And I want you to see this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into this blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will, in fact, deliver us from your majesty's hand. But, and then here is, this, this verse gets the BA award for the Bible. The best attitude award in the entire Bible right here, what we're going to read. They say this, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, and I feel like this has a little sarcasm in it, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. 
And so I read that and I think, man, if any moment, like, if there's ever a moment where you could justify not obeying, it would be this, right? Like, God, like, it's a literal fiery furnace, okay? So I'll just, I'll bow down, I'll cross my fingers, it won't count, it'll be our, a little like an inside joke with you and me, right? Like, because as human, like, humans are brilliant at justifying things. We are, like, justifying geniuses, like, walk through, walk through Nordstrom for 30 minutes and watch how good you become at justifying things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, we, we get so creative with the things we come up with. I, get so, like, I, I was thinking the, the, the most creative person on planet Earth right now is not Joanna Gaines. It's not Kanye West. It's not some painter, because I don't know any painter's names. Um, it's not the songwriter. It's not the graphic designer. It's the, it's the single Christian guy justifying sex before marriage. Like, I've heard brilliant things said. I've said those brilliant things, right? We are so good at justifying, so, so, so good at justifying. I'll remind you one more time in 2019, purity is rebellion and requires faith, ain't for the faint of heart. Do you, do you use your faith or do you just have so let's take that, let, 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 let's build on last week, right? God, I trust that you'll do this. I trust you with this outcome, okay? But even, even if it's not gonna go like according to my plans, you still, my, you still got my obedience in the here and now, right? So God, I trust that you're gonna provide for my family. I know that you're gonna provide for my family. But even if for whatever reason you don't, I don't need to take that shady shortcut. Or cut that corner at work, right? I trust one day you're going to bless me with so much, like with a lot so I can steward it and do good things with it. But even if you don't, you've got my obedience now with the little that I do have. I trust, God, that you're going to bring a spouse for me one day, right? Or you fill in the blank, whatever it might be for you. I trust that that is going to happen, God. But even if it never did in the here and now, I'm not settling for anything less than your best. I don't, I don't have to, to post that. I don't have to wear that. I don't have to say that. I don't have to do that. That requires faith. Do you use your faith or do you just have faith? Let's keep going. Nebuchadnezzar was furious at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed all of a sudden. This guy gets set off. He's crazy. You'll see this. He ordered the furnaces. Like, this is just ridiculous. Heated seven times hotter than usual. Okay? I was like, why is that detail in the Bible? Seven times. Here, like, he's, this is the enemy stacking the odds against God. Stacking the odds against God. But how many people in here know that is when God flexes? So think about it. Okay? Like, the, the Israelites. Did, did God just bail them out when they just mistakenly wandered between a Red Sea and an angry Egyptian army? Or did God lead them between a Red Sea and an Egyptian army so he could flex in that moment? Which one is it? Go read it. Go read it this week. God loves having the odds stacked against him. Oh, you want me to kill that giant? Give me a 13-year-old kid and a rock, right? 
heat the furnace seven times hotter than usual. Go ahead. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers, I love these details, in his army to tie those guys up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the blazing furnace. And so these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers, killed the strong soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, these three friends, this family of three guys, firmly tied, hands bound, fell into the blazing furnace. And that brings me to my second point for trusting God in the fire. And it has to do with community, and it's this line right here. Real friends fireproof your faith because real friends go in with you. Real friends fireproof your faith. Maybe, maybe it's time to take a friendship inventory, okay? I've been there. Like, are, don't look for the friends who will ride in the limo with you. Look for the friends who will walk to the bus stop with you when the limousine breaks down, right? Don't look for the friends who will work in the palace with you. Look for the friends who will walk into the fire if that time should ever come. Because your close friends will either bring you closer to God or push you away from God. The people that we surround ourselves with, our, our closest sphere of friendships and influence, you will start to talk the way they talk and go where they go. Okay, this is, this is true. I haven't met a human being who's stronger than that point that I just made right there. I, I really haven't. I re like, you will go where, like, and that's why we make, we, we make such an emphasis here on trying to build family. We make every excuse in the book to get together and, and build friendships and get a chance to meet each other and build family, whether it's a Bible study or volleyball or a party barge or anything in between. Whatever it is, we want to build family and build community because, by the way, that, like, in case you don't know, that's the foundation of this church. And I believe as we move forward as a church, we're going to get to see and do a lot and step into to certain things, but not, not until we build the foundation, and the foundation here is family, and the reason for that is, okay, Rudy is clapping, and if Rudy, okay, I love that, because you do, you do that better than anybody I know, bro, for real. You say, Doug, why family? I hope that this sticks. What this, I'm just going to read it from my notes. There's a very high statistical chance that your community, your sphere, will be the reason that you're still following Jesus or not 10 years from now. Real friends, fireproof your faith because real friends go in with you. And every time I preach up here, Everything I say is born from my weaknesses, my shortcomings, my knuckleheadness, and my mistakes. Except this one thing. It's the one thing where I feel like I've got credibility. And it's not because I'm awesome, it's because the people in my life are. I've been blessed with amazing friends and a wife 
and I chose not to settle before that. And I'm not the man I want to be by no, like in no way, but I'm a lot closer to that because of them, because of the people in my life. Remember in college, I started following Jesus, and I was in a two-year relationship with this uh, like um, amazing girl. And I started following Jesus, and she didn't want to. And the first, you know how like you start following Jesus and he starts asking for things and you have chances to be obedient. The first act of obedience that cost me something was ending this relationship. Not because I'm a better person than her. I would argue to this day she's a better human being than me and I bet God likes her more than he likes me. For real. This, has, this is not a character thing. This is not a Christians are better, so we flock to get like this. It's not that. It's a direction issue. If you are, like, if, if, I'm, if I'm going to the Pacific Ocean for vacation and Ryan wants to go to Florida for vacation, we can't go in the same car. Because if you get in the same car, you will end up in the same place. That, that's not my opinion. It's reality. And it's a fact. It's a fact. It's a, it's a direction question. The people in your life, do they want what you want? Specifically, Jesus. Are they trying to go where you're trying to go? Because you will end up going where they go. Like, I, you're not strong enough to not. Paul, the apostle Paul wasn't strong enough to not. Real friends follow you into the fire. Real friends fireproof your faith. We got to keep going. I wish we didn't have to, but... King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. He asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into that fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, I see four. How many do you see? I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth one looks like a son of the gods. Okay, so here's, here's another little piece of evidence. Jesus, Jesus is not a, a fireman who just puts out fires. Sometimes he does, but the promise of Christianity is that Jesus meets you in the fire. So much so, apparently you can hang out in it. Okay? So, like, they're down there having a conversation. Like, Shadrach, you see, like, you see this fire? Are we standing in this? Is this happening? Like... This, this is Jesus, 600 years premature, hanging out with us right now. Like, this is, this is absolutely crazy. Jesus stands with them in the fire, and then Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the not lowercase g God anymore, servants of the most high God. This is the most powerful man in the world. The most high God. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Nor was the hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. And this is the crazy one to me. There was no smell of fire on them. So when I'm around a campfire, I smell like a campfire for like a week. These guys were in a blazing furnace, a blazing furnace, and came out smelling like Old Spice or whatever, right? Like, 
Here's your takeaway from that, and this is, this is for free. This isn't even one of the points, okay? You might feel like people can smell your past on you, especially when you walk into church. Listen to me. That will never be the case at this church. As long as Jesus is in your life, your past is not. As long as Jesus is in your life, mistakes from your past now become souvenirs of his grace for you to take with you moving forward. Let's go. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They, and what's the word? They trusted our second element, they trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives, everything, rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Lowercase to capital. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. This guy's extreme, even when he's in a good mood. That's not like a, a, fra a saying. He's describing what he's going to do to them, all right? They'll be cut into pieces, and their houses be turned into piles of rubber, for no other god can save in this way. So Nebuchadnezzar, most powerful man, narcissist on the planet, their biggest critic, their executioner, is all of a sudden their biggest fan because he watched a grand display of faith in front of him, specifically the first two elements. He saw obedience, and then he saw trust, and he saw it pay off right before his eyes. And that brings me to the third point. Belief and trust are two different things. We'll unpack that. Belief and trust are two different things. Here's the thing. I'm called, you're called to do both. There's a 100-year-old sermon illustration um, about a guy named, it's about trust. And if you haven't heard this, you're going to love it, even if you've heard it before. It's so good. It's so good. And there's this guy, his name's Charles Blondine. And he lived in the 1800s. And, Ben, you guys can come up. And uh, he was the very he was a tightrope walker, okay? And he was the very first guy to tightrope across Niagara Falls. So if you've ever been there, I haven't. But if you have, you know. I've seen pictures of it. But he stretched a tightrope from the U.S. to Canada, which is 1,100 feet, and was the first guy to walk across this, that gorge, okay? And so he, he's a pretty risky guy understatement of the year and so he starts doing like crazier stunts and like there's even records of him going across it on stilts there's stories of him going out there in the middle sitting down on the rope and cooking breakfast like he made eggs for himself on the rope right and there's there's a time when he decided to blindfold himself and get a wheelbarrow and put a couple hundred pounds of cement in the wheelbarrow and push the wheelbarrow across the tightrope to the other side. And at this point, like, there, there's a crowd, obviously, and they're going crazy. Like, Blondine, you're crazy, man. You're, the, you're like the great, you're, you're the coolest guy on the planet. And he's a, he's a performer, so he's getting the crowd going and talking with them. And he, he's shouting things like, who, who thinks I can go back? And everybody's like, of course you can go back. You're the great Blondine. And he goes, who thinks I can push a person? 
person back in this wheelbarrow. And they go, yes, of course you can. You're the great blondine. There's nothing that you can't do. Everybody believed. And then he said, okay, who's getting in the wheelbarrow to make history with me? And of all the believers there, nobody did it. Belief and trust are two different things. Belief is a mindset. Trust is an action that you can so choose to follow up with after belief, right? And that, as Christians, is our calling. And I was trying to describe, like, okay, trust, belief and trust, two different things. So trust is an action. So what, what does trust look like? And I was like, that's like trying to, like, explain love. I'm like, how do you, how do you explain something like trust? And, and all I could think to say was trust is just knowing and just going. Just knowing and just going. So Princess Jasmine is the poster girl for trust. I'm going there. Disney is illustrations for days, man. Because Princess Jasmine is up on her palace rooftop, and then Aladdin shows up on a magic carpet and stretches out his hand and goes, do you what? Do you, do you trust me? And in that moment, with her, like, she trusts him with her, like, some, something deep inside of her just, just knows. And so she just goes. And I was thinking, I was like, man, if Princess Jasmine can trust this 120-pound kid wearing parachute pants on a flying rug with her life, then I can trust the creator of the universe with my decisions and my obedience and, and the outcome of every single one of them, right? You know what's crazy about that Blondine story is eventually somebody actually did get into the wheelbarrow and make history with him. And it was a few years later, and it was Blondine's manager. It was his manager. Because, and I, I thought that was interesting. Of all the hundreds, if not thousands, of believers present, the one guy who trusted was the guy who knew Blondine the most. You know, and then you can, you can go. And so I was trying to think, like, let me ask you this question. What are you doing in your life to know God more? to know Jesus more. I did not say, hey, what are the new things you're learning about God? Two different things. I asked, what are you doing in your life to know God more? Because sometimes just the best way to know God more is just, to, is just by going. Because there's probably some of you who, um, and maybe like it's justified, but maybe you, like, you're, you, you don't know if he's trustworthy. And I, like, I'm just here to tell you, there's only one way to find out whether or not he is, and it's to trust him. It's to trust him, to try and see what are you doing in your life right now to know Jesus more. Because I don't know your story. I don't have to, to know that in this world, Christian, you will have troubles. You will, you will face the fires of this world. And that means you're going to need to know the one who has overcome this world. Because our calling is to actually live life in the wheelbarrow with him. That, like that's, that I'm, I'm talking gritty, man, not clean and tidy Christianity. I'm talking the real thing in the wheelbarrow with Jesus. When, when things get wobbly, when you've got the spray from Niagara Falls like in your face, right? Like when everything, when nothing is certain, that's, like, that's a lot more biblical description of following Jesus than what a lot of us think. What a lot of us think. And that's the moment that you need to use faith, not just have it. That's why God gave it. 
So we'll finish here. Because that's three points, and this will be the fourth, and this will be the shortest. You're like, yeah, okay. It will be. Fire consumes everything except one thing. Fire. That's why you can literally fight fire with fire. So I'm like, man, if there's one thing that you remember from this, make it this right here. Souls on fire can stand in the fire. Because fire's coming. Souls on fire can stand in the fire. Which fire burns more brightly, your circumstance or your soul? Your circumstance or your soul? Because we have the spirit of the living God living within us. And once again, the fire, the kingdom fire that burns inside of you, that's not like a metaphor. This is real. The Holy Spirit alive and at work within me. Oh, Holy Spirit, burn like a fire. All-consuming God, consume me right here, right now. Like fire, fall down on us, we pray. Set a fire deep down in my soul that I can't contain and that I can't control. Let the passion within me for Jesus and building his his kingdom ignite regardless of my circumstance, regardless of how hot it gets out there externally. Souls on fire can stand in the fire. God lights the fire. We lay the kindling for it. How are you doing that in your life right now? How are you laying the kindling so that the creator of fire can come and ignite passion deep in your spirit, right? Here's what I, like, this isn't prophetic, this is just a hunch, but I feel like in the West, in the West, okay, the, the metric that we measure successful churches by is, start, is, gonna, is starting to shift from how big are they to how alive are they. I'm like, man, God, whatever comes for this church comes for this church. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. I can't wait to find out. I just, I, I have to be part of a church that gets more and more alive with every passing year. I have to be a part of a family that has, that are souls on fire and passion burning deep inside of us that come hell or high water, whatever it is. Like, we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, um, we're gonna make it. We're gonna persevere. We're gonna endure, right? Like, I, like I'm, I'm tired of hearing stories about Christians and leaders and pastors and volunteers burning out. Like, where are the, sterni- the, the stories of burning bright? Where are those stories, right? The Christians who will pick Jesus over the entire world and not compromise and not be quick to back down and not be quick to bow down or throw in the towel or walk away because the kingdom fire that burns within, within each and every one of us is brighter and hotter than any of the fires that we'll face out there. And that's just called passion. It's just called passion. And passion is not just a fun, feel-good emotion. That's not what passion is. Passion actually might be your greatest tool and your greatest weapon to persevere and to endure when following Jesus is not easy and not glamorous. The passion of the Christ is what Jesus used to make it through Good Friday. It was his passion that allowed him to walk through that fire. The very first martyr of our faith is a young man named Stephen. You can go read about this in Acts chapter 7, but he got like stoned, literally stoned to death because he refused to deny Jesus and he refused to back down and he stood strong and persevered to the very end with rocks coming at him and hitting his body. Not, and, and the way he did that 
is because his focus was not on the situation in front of him. His focus was on Jesus Christ because he could actually see Jesus at the right hand of God, not sitting and cheering him on, but standing and cheering him on. And so I have to ask you, if, if there's a closed door, if there's a fire in your life right now, what, like which door are you looking at? Are you looking at the closed door in front of you or the open one up here that leads to heaven? Because heaven has now been open. The veil has been torn in two. There was a veil between heaven and earth, but what Jesus did 2,000 years ago actually worked, and that veil is gone. And when we worship, listen, I don't know if you can hear it. I don't know if you can hear it, but you can hear the roar in heaven as that veil gets thinner and thinner, and the space between heaven and earth gets smaller and smaller. I can feel, I can hear the roar of heaven, and we call it down when we worship. Worship is the most powerful weapon that you have because with every breath of praise that you breathe it is it is heaven coming to earth through the delivery system of your of your faith of your faith Jesus is everything for these guys they refuse they couldn't like Jesus plus plus nothing equals everything and so even when they became like they came face to face with a fiery furnace and they said like you're gonna throw us in I know you are but what am I supposed to do this isn't just a hobby that I have. This is my saint. Like, this is, this is all I got. And you could take everything else away, and I'll be okay. Because I have Jesus. There were four men in the fire, not three that day. And every fire that you walk through, there is one more person than just you standing in that fire. He doesn't always put them out. I pray he does. I love when that happens, all right? But I promise you, what I can boldly and confidently tell you is that he will be with you right in the middle of it, so much so that you might find comfort and hang out in the fire with Jesus because it's in the, in the furnace, he, he gets so much more real. He goes from being supplement to savior. One thing about my life to my everything this is my only hope. This is all I got. I can't give that up. So we obey him. We control what we can control. And then the outcome, we trust God. We don't just believe it, but we, we dare to take the action step beyond belief and actually trust that God's got this outcome. Even if it's not the one I'm praying for. He's that good. And he knows how to take care of his kids. And this is not like a, a cold comfort kind of talk because if you're in the fire, if you're in pain, if you're in a season, like the last thing you need is cold comfort. And I've been praying that that's not what this would be. It's like, like the moment that you get broken up with or the moment you experience loss in your life. The last thing that you need is a Christian to walk up to you and go, hey brother, hey sister, Romans 8, 28, God works everything together for the good of those who love him. Like, you're like, shut up, dude. Like, I know that, but I don't need to hear that. And you wanna just like punch that person in the face and say, hey, hey he looks like he's gonna work that black eye out for your good so we can, we can both benefit from Romans 8, 28. You're welcome, right? Like, this is, this is not cold comfort. I've been praying it wouldn't be. And I, the only way that you receive a message like this when you're in it is if the Holy Spirit ignites fire in you. Because I can't preach a word into your heart, but he can put it there. That's easy for him to put it there. 
It's easy for him to awaken our spirits. Breathing life into dry bones is part of his, God's, his, his God description, his job description, his job description as God, the God of everything. That is what he does best. And so, God, we love you so much. I pray right here, right now, God, that you would meet us for these two songs. I pray for anybody in this space that needs kingdom fire ignited inside of them. God, show them the kindling to lay, and then I pray that you would ignite passion within them because souls on fire can stand in any fire that comes their way, any fire that comes their way. I pray that you would teach us that belief and trust are two different things. I pray that you would show us that just because we, we have faith, doesn't necessarily mean we're using our faith and how much crazier and better life gets when we step out into the wheelbarrow and we use our faith. I pray for my friends in here who need to take inventory of their friendships, God, because their direct circle of friends, their community might just be the reason that they're still following you or not 10 years from now, 10 years from now, God. And so give them a vision a vision of what it could look like to be surrounded by community heading in the same way because they want you just as bad as them. God, ignite something in here. May this church be alive for your glory. I don't care, like any of the other adjectives, you fill them in. I pray for, for life. I pray this space would be alive so much so that you could feel it driving on North Lamar to pull up into the parking lot. Before you get to the door, you sense something bigger happening in this space. It's a bold prayer, but you love those. And we pray them right now in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Red Rocks Austin, let's stand up and let's worship.